Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Ankle Pickers, welcome back. Ankle Pick Podcast. We're here, what, Thursday, the 21st of July before UFC London. I've got Dan with me. How you doing? Real good. So good to be back, man. I, I miss talking to you. I mean, I miss talking about the fights. I'm, I miss our listeners. I got to say, it feels good to be back. Right. Scheduling difficulties last week. Our apologies. And we had every intention of getting something out there, which is why it was last minute that we didn't. But here we are. We're back. Um, not going to spend a whole lot, whole lot of time recapping the last two events. We had, um, what was it? Vegas 58, which was Fiziev's knockout fifth round over RDA. And we had UFC Long Island, uh, unfortunate finish for Ortega. Yair gets the win and uh, maybe a title shot, which yeah, is kind of crazy I, to think I, about. I mean, I, I don't mind it at all. It's uh, a situation where, I mean, Volk has cleared out kind of everyone and Yair deserves his, his – it's not like he's uh, – talent-wise, it's not like he doesn't belong. Well, I think it's pretty unlikely that he fights Volk for that title. I think that – as we'll get to in news and notes, I think Volk's got his sights set on the winner of Oliveira Islam. I don't know. Maybe I misinterpreted that same post you're referring to, but I, I thought that maybe there'd be a, a fight in between a, a kind of while Islam fights. Okay, well, I guess we'll get into it. But while while Islam fights Charles Oliveira, maybe Volk will, will have himself a fight, and then they'll meet afterwards. The winner of that, and well, Volk's also having surgery, so that. I, I just don't have time. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, we'll get there in news and notes. Let's do a quick recap. We have two ankle lock winners the last two weeks that hit. Very psyched about those. Uh, the first of which, Jamie Malarkey over Johnson. And that one, by the skin of our teeth, let's call it at that. I know that we were talking off air about how we scored it. And, you know. <laughs> we'll take the decisions when they go our direction sometimes, but it's not inconceivable to think that Malarkey actually did get that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it all came up to that first round, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It, it just depends on how you weigh how much Malarkey hurt him versus when Malarkey got dropped. And it, it's kind of whether that round could go Malarkey's way. Um because if you ignore those two things, if, if those, two, if the two health events are a wash, I think the round goes to Malarkey off of volume. But uh, a lot of people saw that as a clear round one against Malarkey because of him getting dropped. The following week at Long Island, we had Jinglian, dog, ankle lock, second round knock, lock, knockout over Muslim Salikov. The leech, and I, I really didn't think this was how we were going to uh, cast that ticket. I thought that um, the leech was going to have an ability to maybe get into a clinch. Uh, I mean, we, we saw how quick Muslim is with those spinning attacks and how, how crisp his striking is, and he's not a guy you want to stand at range with and, and really strike with. Um, but leech 
found the distance and was able to land it. It was awesome. I'm, I'm really psyched about it. And obviously it takes our ankle lock forward even more. 14 and six in 2022 and two and zero in the new season, the new half season game that we're playing. Um, so we'll keep y'all updated there. Women's dogs, not a ton to report. We went one and three the last two weeks. Um, one of which was, uh, I'm forgetting last week. Who was the minus 400 favorite last week? Not anyway, we'll, 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 if we're playing by the minus 350 and worst rule where we're staying away from favorites that are minus 350 or better, we're up 63.95 units this year. There's only been nine instances all year of a women's favorite over 350. And so that puts us at 18.95 units in the green. Uh, if you're including every single women's dog and that that's, I mean, we might be out of something that's 64 units on the year is, is something to be said. It really is wild. It's one of those like that. We said it as a joke, but it's just been consistent and positive and green and green and green. Um, speaking of green and green and green, I, let's take this chance to, I don't want to jinx the mojo here, but we got to give props where props is due. Dan is on quite a run here. Other than a PFL card, how many in a row is that for you? And when, when does it date back to green cards? Uh, it, dating back to Blahovic Rakic was the last UFC event. May 14th was the last time I went red on, on the UFC. Um, and I think that's, what, eight or nine events since then. So let's keep this momentum going because it, it's not about streaks. It's about consistency. Let's let's just try and stay above board and keep cashing tickets. And I, I, I want to hammer it home that it pays to listen. I mean – I would never consider myself the analyst that Dan or Reese is when he's available, but just from sitting here, I'm placing bets along the way and listening in. And, you know, I've got my own takes sometimes, but for the most part, I'm tailing these guys and I've had just as many green weeks in a row, not just tailing them, but just finding my own spots within what they're talking about. So it pays to listen. It really does. Um, I think that anybody will vouch for that. And yeah, let's, let's keep more so than just the streak. Let's keep the consistency going. Um, that's all we want to cover with news with a recap, just too much to get through. And I'm sure we'll hit on most of it. Anyway, we had a ton of news and notes the last two weeks, a ton of flight announcements. I'm going to go in order here of when they're occurring. Uh, let's start with actually, before we get to announcements, let's spend a little bit of time. PFL Europe announced for 2023. I want to bring it over to our resident PFL analyst, Dan. Talk to me. No, that that'll really change the game. I mean, having a foothold in Europe, we see how successful Cage Warriors is as, as at producing just really incredible talent, and that's one thing that everyone I talk to uh, over at the PFL has always said is, I mean, th they love having guys like Shoeface and, and Anthony Pettis and um, uh, all these former UFC guys that have a lot, had a lot of success and definitely bring eyes to their sport, but they're really trying to foster their own talent and grow homegrown PFL guys uh, and compete with the highest level MMA promotions, which I, I think this is a huge step in the right direction for achieving. Um, definitely. Very excited about that. And hopefully we can get you over across the that, I mean, that'd be incredible. That'd be a fun trip. Um, September 3rd, we already had one change to this bout, but Jessica Andrade is out of her fight against Manon Foireau. She was filling in for Caitlin Chukagian. And the fill-in that will be fighting Manon Foireau is, again, Caitlin Chukagian. It's the original. 
Back, uh, back to the. That's one that we were excited about. We were excited about again when we saw the replacement, and I guess we'll just remain excited about the first initial initial announcement. As an investor in uh in Draj, I'm, I'm disappointed. I think that that was a great matchup for her and could have really uh jumped her back into a title conversation kind of quickly. Yeah, keep in mind that one is in Paris, where Manon Poirot mm-hmm. obviously a French fighter, so that would have been it's going to be cool for her one way or another, but. Um, the following week, UFC 279, we have an awesome announcement. I don't know about any gambling that's going to come out of it, but Hamzat Shemaev and Nate Diaz, September 10th in Las yeah, Vegas. Not, I mean, not to ruin a set the spread, but I think I saw that line opening around like 1,200, 1,100. It's, it's yeah, I think I saw 11. <laughs> a little ridiculous at, the, at this point. It, it, I don't know. I mean, I've got a Swedish flag somewhere over here because of Hamzat. And I'm thinking of, of maybe taking a flyer on Nate. Who knows? I just don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get to it. I don't want to waste too much time on it now. Um, the following week, the 17th of September, we have two co-main events to announce. Giga Chikadze and Sadiq Youssef. That's fun. What what card did you say that was on? A UFC Vegas at the Apex? Yeah, 17th. I Is it? Yeah, I think it's in Vegas, but I'm not positive. I can double check that. Uh, oh, September 17th. Fight. The other, and this one's probably the main event on that card, Corey Sandhagen, Song Yudong. Very cool. Uh, I mean, I think that's a, a big old bite to take off for um, Song Yudong. Corey is long, powerful, and game. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a fun matchup. I... I just think that the Bantamweight division is as fun as it gets. It, it, this, it, it, we're going to talk about more fights that have been uh, booked in this division. It seemed like all the matchmakers got their Bantamweight off. Um, but I'm so excited. Uh, speaking of that, let's just wrap 280 all up together. Um, six fights to announce in the last two weeks, all on 280 in Abu Dhabi. That's October 22nd. Mark your calendars. That one's going to be a daytime card and has already gotten card of the year written all over it. I mean, there's too many main card fights to fit on the main card. Um, and so I'm going to, let's just go what I think is bottom to top so far. Just freshly announced Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos. I mean, that's awesome. Amanda's coming off, what, a uh, second-round guillotine choke just this last weekend over Michelle Watterson. She, she was the really minus 400 work. favorite. I couldn't think of a second Yeah. Round. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I think that that's a really great step in the right direction for her. Both these women can bang. I expect a really fun fight. Uh, this one was first announced back, what, almost two weeks ago. Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad. That's another one that's just stylistically so fun. Uh, two guys with styles that'll complement each other. They're, you're going to see an aggressive grappling match. Um, I know we've seen Bilal in the past be a little bit, I, I won't say a wet blanket, but heavy top pressure. Um, Sean Brady's going to be really tough to do that too. A lightweight, I mean, maybe contender fight. I, it, it, it was looking like that about this time last year. Mateus Gamrot and Benil Dariush. Yeah, that um, the division's a little bit in an interesting place just after Charles um, had to vacate the belt. And you're going to get in in a second to 
the future of that belt, but this, yeah, easily could be um, and, winner. And we just winner at the top that Volk's right there too. He, he's ready to go up lightweight. This is this is we got a log jam at lightweight. Definitely huge log jam. Um, then we have Piotr Jan and Sugar Sean O'Malley. This has got to hurt you that one of these guys has to lose. For real, for real, and and I I just don't know how people are taking Sean O'Malley here. I'm not sure. I'm not. I have no idea where the line opened or where it's moving, but um, Piotr Jan is. I still think one of the best fighters in the world. To me, the most skilled fighter in that division. With all due respect to Aljo, because I do have a lot of respect for Aljo, but I think Piotr will look really, really great in Abu Dhabi. Well, speaking of Aljo, Komain in Abu Dhabi, 280. Aljo versus Dillashaw for the belt. It, just a really incredible fight. And um, uh, while I won't say I think those are the two most skilled guys um, in the division, I, they I'm deserve really a title excited. shot each. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. They deserve it. There's the history behind uh, Dillashaw's title reign. Um and yeah, that's that's a just a great matchup. The, every single bantamweight is so fun. Uh, and we've got probably the four most exciting bantamweights on that card. And you know what? I would be I wouldn't be surprised if we're not done. It's an Abu Dhabi card. We haven't heard a single like uh, dag fighter right. or um, get a Ulan Bekov connection yet. Some Magomed, um, something. Right. I, I, I'm sure that we might get Umar on that, on that well, yeah, well, card. What's we the might get where we get, like, I think that any fighter with the name Magomed, with a, with a Magomed in their name, is something like winning at an 89% clip in the UFC. There's got to be at least I one on that, that card. Yeah, 100%. Or, or at least, like, a Mozart Evloev kind of guy. I think that we're going to continue to get really, really awesome really skilled, great prospects um, on that, on those Abu Dhabi cards, because they always tend to show out. We're going to need to find a really cool place to watch that one. If not in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah, maybe Vegas. And, and you know, we haven't even gotten to the headliner here. We, we kind of touched on it, but the title strap Islam and Charles Oliveira. So there's, I, I, there's the connection. It, it's going to be an Islam card. He's going to have teammates. Khabib will be there. Um, I, I'm so sure that this card only continues to just grow and shine. And, and this is, this is going to be the card of the year. Um, I don't know if it'll live up to Austin in terms of just excitement and finishes. I don't know if anything can, right. But right. I think I'm it's excited for this. the difference between like excitement finishes exactly how you mentioned it. And just, you know, high profile matchups because, even it's not to say that these won't be because I think they absolutely could be. And we have, you know, the capacity for it with some of the best fighters, most exciting fighters in the world on this 280 card. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, time will tell. Shall we jump to UFC London this week? Anything else to add? Nope. Let's uh, let's get into it. So as mentioned, UFC London O2 arena for the second time this year. Headlined by Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. Uh, we are working with Central Time here. We have an 11 a.m. Central Time prelims and a 2 p.m. Central Time main card. 
excited for this one. This one's got some serious fighters on it. And uh, I guess let's should we just work our way bottom to the top as we usually yeah. do? Let's get into it. 14 fights as of right now. Again, Thursday, the 21st. First up, curtain jerker, welterweight bout, Claudio Silva and Nicholas Dalby. Yeah, and um, the only unfortunate thing about this card for me is um, just that there's so many wide, wide favorites. Uh, a good card if you're looking for a big parlay. Um, I don't see a lot of big dog spots, which is disappointing to me. And uh, this will follow the trend. Nick Dalby is sitting like minus 250 right now. And the thing about him is, is he brings the pace. Um, he's in your face. He can wrestle. Claudio Silva can't wrestle. Claudio Silva, I mean, his jujitsu is there, but it's really all he's got. And if, if you avoid the submissions, which I think Nicholas Dalby is going to be able to do, I mean, Claudio has not really got anything for you. The the Danny Roberts and the Cole Williams wins, uh, and and I guess Nordine Taleb. I mean, none of those to me are, are respectable wins, especially Cole Williams. I mean, he might be the worst prospect the UFC ever signed. Um, and then you get a guy like Court McGee and James Krause, who are by no means world beaters, and um, they make it really look easy just avoiding the submissions and um keeping the pressure and so i i think nick dalby takes this um and i think i i think he gets it done fairly easy women's flyweight bout is second on the card mandy bohm is a slight favorite over victoria leonardo yeah and you know where i'll end up on this close fight it's gonna be a toss-up give me the dog money um obviously she's had a really tough uh run even just in the past what two years fighting blanche field and invicta fighting manon foireau in her debut after contender series um fighting melissa gatto um right after that who, who has, has looked really decent but um this should be a, a lot better of a matchup for her mandy bohm isn't a girl who i think is incredibly talented in any respect um and i think that the slight dog or the even money price. There's no way to pay. There's no way I'm playing a favorite here is all I'm saying. Lightweight bout next up. Jai Herbert who's on a bit of a skid, but against some real names, nonetheless, against Kyle Nelson. Jai Herbert's a pretty big favorite in the mid 200s, upper 200s. Yeah. And for me, I think that Jai's, I've said before that Jai is not a bad talent. I think I actually backed jai herbert um against trinaldo uh, a, a while back um kobe i think that that was while we were in Omaha. who cares uh, i don't know but um yeah jai herbert's a good striker he's gonna be a lot longer than kyle nelson here um i think that as long as kyle doesn't catch Jai. I mean, in, in the same way we saw Jai have a lot of success and then got completely caught by Ilya Teporia, a natural, natural 145-er. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the way I think Kyle Nelson can win this fight. He's going to come at you. He's going to 
try his best to pressure you and, and, and really bring the pace. But I think that Jai is just going to be able to jab him up. Um, he's got a six inch reach advantage here. Um, and, and it, it just, it, it should be a lot of what we saw in that Ilya Topuria fight with the size difference, but without the Ilya Topuria X factor. 7-0, 1-0 in the UFC, 21-year-old Mohamed Mokayev, again fighting in London against Charles Johnson, is a huge favorite, almost pushing 500. Yeah, and this is a really tough spot. Um, I'm super high on Mohamed Mokayev. I mean, every single thing we've seen from him has been incredible. Um, bar none. I mean, he, he looked like he has had zero holes. Charles Johnson is no joke. Charles Johnson, uh, Tiger Muay Thai, uh, Tiger Muay Thai, Muay Thai fighter, um, former LFA champion, um, five round fighting, five round, a a guy who's fought five rounds multiple times in his career. He's got cardio, um, and he really brings it in those championship rounds too. Uh, a loss to Brandon Royval on his career, um, also back, back in 2018 as a slight favorite is an interesting just mark on your record. But um, this is a guy who's going to be game. And I don't know if Mokayev just runs through him like he did Durden. And I don't think it's a long-term positive, profitable strategy to be fading Mohamed Mokayev. I think that he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but eventually he's going to meet an absolute game fighter and 31 year old Charles Johnson is, is game. There's a 10 year age difference and as much skill as Muhammad has, I think eventually he's going to make it into round two and round three and, and, and maybe get hurt once. I, I don't know because he's shown zero holes and I'm, I've, I've gotten no reads to be like, Oh, Charles can find this and, and, and make it happen. But, I know it will happen because it happens to everyone in the sport. So I'm, I'm teetering with maybe a sprinkle on Charles Johnson. But again, there's a just a wide skill difference here. There's a reason he's 31, has been fighting LFA for a bunch of years and hasn't gotten the call up. We've got a featherweight bout next up the card. Makwan Amerikani, Mr. Finland, will not be the best looking man in the octagon. It'll be Jonathan Pierce, crowd favorite, Jonathan Pierce, ankle pick favorite, Jonathan Pierce, on a little streak of his own, three-fight win streak. Definitely. And he's looked really great in those. I, I know that the Christian Rodriguez fight was a little bit shaky um, towards the end, but that was a weird, what was it, short notice, um, like week of the fight opponent change that talking to JSP, it didn't seem like, he was doing a whole lot of tape study or really game plan adjustment at all. And um, I think we'll see a lot better version of JSP, more so the Omar Morales version uh, against Makwan. The one thing that worries me is JSP is a guy who feels really comfortable taking you down. It feels really comfortable uh, with that top pressure. And what do we just see in, in Amir Khani's last fight? his only win in the last what two and a half years was a quick um, 
choke. I, I think uh, while stuffing a takedown from Mike Grundy, was it a guillotine or um, some kind of darts? But it, it's definitely something that is concerning. Just rewatching JSP fight that C Rod fight and seeing him put his ad on on the on the outside and really be available for that guillotine. I I do think that he performs at this number. I don't think he outperforms it, and I don't think it'll see my card. Fair enough. We'll, we'll be back in him no matter what. Um, and that's the ankle pick difference. Moving up the card, featherweight bout, Nathaniel Wood, another huge favorite over Charles Rosa, but actually just one and two in his last three UFC fights. Yeah. Um, Charles Rosa is a guy that, I mean, I just, I just perennially fade and I will continue to fade. I think that Nathaniel Wood coming off of that Casey Kenny loss where he looked really great. I mean, it was a really fun fight. I think I we might have lost Casey Kobe. Kenny in that one. We, we might have, but I, it was a really fun back and forth fight. And I, I've, I've got good things on the horizon for Nathaniel Wood, especially facing a guy in Charles Rosa who I think has zero for him. Uh, Boston Strong is, is 35 years old. His one what two wins in the last two years, Kevin Aguilar and Justin Janes, neither of which are, are, are crazy impressive. I think that Nathaniel Woods just at a completely different level, completely different uh, part of his career. This is a, a guy also who is like, ha- has that cage warriors prestige behind him. So let's say we do go to the judges scorecards and it is close. Nathaniel Woods getting that decision 10 out of 10 times. I'm so sure of that. And and that's one thing you have to consider in these UFC London cards is that there are fan favorites here. If, if you've ever been in the arena and you've watched fights on TV, you know it's a completely different feeling and you're seeing different things. You're hearing different things. The crowd, the energy, everything's different. And you know the judges will be affected by it. And it's something to a little bit take into consideration uh, when breaking all these down. Not to say that the English judges are any more biased than any American judges, because I think we have our fair share on this side of the Atlantic too, but always, always, always something to take into consideration. And we've said it before. Just, the judges are always biased. You just got to take into consideration who. Lightweight bout, Mark Diakise and Demir Hedzovich. Minus yeah. 360, I'm looking at Diakise. And I, th- I think the take or the, the price is all justified. Um, Hadzovic's a guy you look through his record and anyone that can take him down easy win Alan Patrick, Christos Yagos, Renato Moicano it's it's a really really um, repeatable game plan and DeCasey has that wrestling I think that if DeCasey decides that he wants to stand and strike with him um it wouldn't be his best case scenario, but I think he's able to. I think he has the length to. Um, Demir obviously has the power, but I think to Casey has the. I think he has an easy game plan if he so chooses, of just really pushing the wrestling and um, repeating that Borshev performance that was a, a maybe a. a job saving performance he was on a two fight losing streak obviously Rafael Fazeev isn't bad and Rafael Alves is, is not 
a terrible, terrible loss. Um, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't dominate Borshev, maybe we're not seeing DeCasey in this spot. But we are, and I, I, I like him a lot. I like him as a parlay piece. Um, I think you can put together DeCasey, Nathaniel Wood, and like, um. I don't know, Mason Jones, who will get Dude, next. you're not going to believe this. I have my phone up right now where I just put together a parlay where it's Mason Jones, DeCasey, and Nathaniel Wood. Let's go. What does that pay? I, I haven't clicked the buttons. It's it's almost exactly one-to-one. Okay. that's I, I like you that. You probably like line shot and get it a little bit better, too. I like that play a lot. I, I like all three of those guys. Um, I think that they have a lot of different ways to beat their opponents and, and a couple ways to really dominate and really make it look like Minus 800. If you add Jai Herbert to that, which was my original, I, I clicked X out of it right as you were saying it, but Jai Herbert in there is like plus 160, 170. Very cool. Um, well, that brings us to the next, the, the prelim main event, lightweight bout that we just spoke about, Mason Jones and Ludovic Klein. Yeah, and this is one... I placed right after we did set the spread. It's moved just a little bit. I'm I'm on it for three units at um, over on my bet MMA tips, bet MMA dot tips slash dank wagers, Dan K wagers. That's me. I've, I've got a fan duel at minus three twenty five. It's just up at minus three fifty. But Mason Jones can absolutely win this anywhere. Um, I think he can outstrike Ludovic. I know that he can dominate, maybe look minus 800, minus 900 wrestling. Um, Ludovic Klein's path to victory here is catching Mason Jones right on the chin flush, maybe with a, with a head kick. And I mean, we saw Mason Jones eat head kicks from like Mike Davis and just walk through them. So I'm not so concerned. I think that, I mean, listeners, if you were around for the Alan Patrick fight um, or on Ama, even the Mike Davis, um, in his debut, I've been huge on Mason Jones since, since he's joined the UFC and he's another guy that's going to get that, um, UK United Kingdom push being from Wales and, uh, really having a dominant prestige from cage warriors being a former champion, former two division champion, I think. Um, well, that brings us to the main card. We've got a six fight main card again. This is 2 p.m. Central Time, and a couple of closer fights, at least on the main card here. Um, a couple big lines, too, nonetheless. Uh, first fight on the main card Paul Craig and Vulcan Ozemir. So, this, this brings me to a point on the card that I, I really didn't want to get to. Um, and I'm going to preface it by saying that. I'm, I'm going to eat the trash again. I, 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 with Paul Craig, that's what we got here. I think that I'm ankle locked against Paul Craig. Nikita Krylov, right? two fights, Krylov and Jamal Hill. And obviously both of those went horribly wrong. Um, there, there's some magic that old Paul Craig has in that silk hat he found. <laughs> but... He, he really does seem to pull these submissions out of his ass. I mean, Nikita Krylov almost I, I might have actually knocked him out with those ground and pound shots, those hammer fists. And then all of a sudden, uh, Paul Craig snatches up a triangle. But even before that, it's the whole time of 
What are we doing, Nikita? Why are we getting into Paul Craig's guard? And Jamal Hill, he escapes from a triangle. And then he's like, all right, let's get back into guard. I, I'm going to ground and pound you. I'm going to pass your guard and, and get to half guard. And all of a sudden, he's in, a, in another just precarious situation. It's a really easy game plan to beat Paul Craig if you're willing to stay disciplined. And I think that we're actually getting a, a little bit of a gift of a line because of all of these magic bean submissions that Paul Craig is pulling out of his ass. I'm seeing minus 147 over on five dimes. That's a crazy line. I think that, I mean, Paul Craig, not I think, he does not have good takedowns. He's not a great wrestler. He's not just going to go out there and put Vulcan on his butt. I think Vulcan's going to absolutely smoke him. Um, and Vulcan's a, a great striker. It's not like it's not like he's lost out there. We're talking a guy who has five losses in the UFC, Kobe. Magomed Ankalaev, Jiri Prohaska, Dominic Reyes, Anthony Smith, Daniel Cormier. Those are all real, real names. Those are all guys who have either fought for a title, won a title, or are about to fight for a title in the case of Magomed Ankalaev. There's absolutely nothing bad on that resume. Um, and, and Paul Craig is really summer bust. There's one path to victory for him. And I think that we're finally seeing that in the props. It, there's, it's like plus 100 or plus 120, uh, pretty similar to like what his actual money line is in Paul Craig um, for the sub because that's the only way he can win. And so if it's plus 120 for him to win, it's probably plus 125 by sub. But it's a gift line in that case because we've got Vulcan and by any means necessary. Minus 150, I'm seeing it at the very highest, 170, which is still a gift of line. This is what I think um, we're going to end up locking after I get a hold of Reese um, and and talk it through a little bit. But whatever reason, I, Vulcan Ozmir strikes me as somebody much older than he is. He's only 32. Right. And he's got real power. He's a crisp striker. Um, It's not like he's chinny. We're talking about whatever DC grounded pound and Jerry Prohaska um, are are really the only guys to finish him. And I just think that Paul Craig being sub or bust is so silly. Like, and and you know what? I might eat the, it might be eating the trash because Paul Craig might go out there and round one, they're dry sub and it's over, but man, it, it, it can't keep happening. This is going to be one of my bigger plays for sure of the night. Um, and most likely I think the, the lock minus 400 big favorite Molly McCann over Hannah Goldie women's flyweight bout. This is an interesting one with your, with the rule you mentioned, the rule of thumb, Kobe, about uh minus 400, because a lot of this minus 400 for Molly McCann, I feel like is, is it's UFC London. She's fighting like UFC Vegas 42. Are we seeing this 400? If she, if she's on a card, not with Patty Pimblett, are we seeing this 400? That being said, she's rightly so the favorite. Um, She's super fun to root for. She's a great striker, great boxer, has a lot of, has great hands. Um, I think also that, I don't know, they're they're the same exact height. So there's not really going to be a huge size difference here. Um, How you beat Molly is is you, you hold her down. It's top pressure. I I don't think Hannah Goldie Goldie has the uh, game plan in her bag to really do it. So I, I think this is one I'm staying away from. 
I'm not going to tell the science to stay away from because I recognize that the line probably isn't correct, but I don't expect it to be just kind of a, a toss up. And, and this is one that 100% applies to that bias we were talking about. If it's a toss up and, and we're looking at the judges scorecards, like, I don't know, we could, we might've won that one round. We didn't because we're in the UK and Molly McCann is, is, I mean, she's going to win and she, then she's going to party. She's going to be drunk 10 minutes later when Patty makes the walk. So I'm deep in the weeds here, but I think that Hannah Goldie is stepping up in weight. No, never mind. I don't know why ESPN has Goldie listed at 115 and Meatball Molly at 125, but it is at flyweight. Interesting. I think Goldie is a flyweight. Yeah, she fought her last fight at flyweight, so it's not certainly not her first flyweight fight. Um, anyways, that's me deep in the weeds. Light heavyweight bout. Nikita Krylov is about a minus 200 favorite over Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, and this is one... This is one that's really tough because Gustafson is in a, a weird spot. I mean, we saw him retire... Um, we saw him lose as a, as a huge favorite at heavyweight, um, where he looked awful, looked awful on the scale, looked awful in the octagon, looked slow, um, looked unmotivated, really everything, anything and everything you could say poorly. Um, and I was all over Verdum that night, but it, it, it was a bad showing for the legend, Alexander Gustafson who has some of the best light heavyweight fights um, in, in the sports history. And it's a good showing seeing him down at light heavyweight for this. Uh, the, the reason I'm so hesitant about all of this is because of that. It, it's really about whether or not the motivation's back, whether, whether he's picked it, picked this sport back up for real, um, whether he's going to look good on the scale, whether he's going to be his true Gustafson self, because his true Gustafson self, is more skilled than Nikita Krylov, who has proven to make a lot of bad decisions, has proved to not have the best fight IQ, um, isn't the most precise striker on the feet, um, isn't the same level grappler that like an Anthony Smith is or, or Verdum at all. Um, and, and minus 200 for a guy in Krylov who's got all those red flags is really interesting. Um that being said, he, he could come out here and just look minus 800 if Gustafson is not – if he doesn't have his heart in it. Um, and, I, and I really need more information. I, I want to know if Gustafson has just been on All-Stars or maybe if he's traveling with Hamzad over like Factory X in Vegas or Extreme Couture and, and all the different spots that Hamzad was going to. Uh, maybe the motivation's back. and Maybe – who knows? But this is one I'm probably not going to touch. Next fight up is one that's going to get a ton of headlines, and it already has. Patty Pimblett and Jordan Levitt at lightweight. Patty Pimblett, a, a big favorite, but rather modest compared to what we thought it might could be. Yeah. Um, and even what he has been. I mean, Rodrigo Vargas, minus 650. Um David Martinez is that was his last cage warriors fight, but another like 640. Jordan Levitt has great grappling. His jiu-jitsu is there. Um, 
he's got a really sneaky he's got really sneaky setups he he's got great movement um the thing is patty pimblet is 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 also a great grappler and i know that in cage warriors we saw him um lose when there were grapplers that could match him really or really take that away from him but those were guys that also had that striking component to really take advantage of Patty. And I think that Patty's got better hands than Jordan Levitt does. Um, I think that we could see a Patty knockout again, even though that's not exactly what he comes as advertised. Um, he's going to go in there and, and really bring the action to the center of the octagon, push the pace right away and uh, try and hurt Jordan Levitt. I, I think they were exchanging a ton of words this week. And our, our, there's a, there's just a whole personal level added to this fight, which, um, interestingly enough, what's the what's the under at Kobe? You have that up? Yeah, I can get there real quick. Um, I've got under one and a half at plus one hundred five, under two and a half at minus one seventy five. At minus one seventy five, ain't so bad of a number, but even the one and a half, I would not be surprised if this does not see round two. Um. I think that either guy could get a sub, even though they're both pretty defensively sound. If, if something's locked up, it's locked up. And I think that Patty Pimblett's going to be going for the kill early. It's one of those fights that if you take away the personalities and the nationalities and based on where this fight is, it's still probably a different number. Jordan Levitt's a guy that probably no one likes backing just at face value. And Patty Pimblett's got all the, you know, casuals backing him just from name value alone, let alone the fact that this is happening in London. So interesting one, almost, almost too good to be true a spot to fade. And it's kind of not that big of a number in the first place. So it's a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Co-main Chris Curtis and Jack Hermanson. Um, Chris Curtis stepping in what two weeks notice for Darren Till middleweight bout. Yep. And this is another one I've gone back and forth on because I, I'm a big Chris Curtis guy. Uh, we ankle locked him a couple of weeks ago against Adolfo Vieira. He looked great in that. And the thing about Chris Curtis is he's game. He's got cardio for days and um, he's got skills really everywhere. His takedown defense is really solid. His boxing is really solid. Um, he doesn't spend a lot of time on his back, but the jujitsu is there. The thing is, we've seen him really take advantage of uh, in his three UFC fights. Phil Hawes, Brendan Allen, Adolfo Vieira take advantage of guys that really lack cardio, and that's not something that Jack Hermanson has. He is he has got cardio for days. Jack Hermanson is really, really, really well rounded, um, a legit contender at middleweight. And I know that Reese likes to say middleweight. Doesn't have any contenders, but um, this is this is a guy who I I, I think is really skilled. The jujitsu phenomenal, the wrestling phenomenal, the pace for days. Uh, he's scrappy. He doesn't go away. He he he's a guy that he'll he'll take one to land two. Um, and and it, I'm I'm a big fan, so I I have to go with Jack Hermanson here. Um even though Chris Curtis has made us a, a decent coin on his, on his little win streak here. I think that Jack Hermanson is just that, that 
contender level and Chris Curtis can knock off these unranked middleweights and, and these non-contender guys all day long. But I, I just think Jack Hermance is too much. So is it too, I don't, I don't necessarily want to call either of these guys a gatekeeper, but is Jack Hermanson a gatekeeper for kind of title contention and Curtis is a gatekeeper for ranked? Yeah, I guess you could, I, I guess you could put it that way. Um, I think that you run back that Strickland fight and Hermanson gets it done um, or finds a way to at least not eat so many punches from Sean. And um, yeah, I just don't think Chris Curtis is there yet. And I, I don't want to say there yet because he's coming into the UFC late. Um, he's got all the experience in the world. He's been around the block. Um, he's on a hell of a win streak. I mean, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight professional fights in a row. Hasn't lost since his PFL stint, Ray Cooper. But um, yeah, just Jack Romanson is is on Ray Cooper's level. If not, not if not, Jack Romanson's even better. And it's 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 elite versus really, really, really damn good enough uh we have a five round well probably won't get five rounds but a heavyweight main event in london curtis blades and tom aspinall and i'm set the spread you and reese were obviously on different sides of who was the favorite it's a slight favorite to aspinall so i'm gonna ask you to make your pick give your side but also play a little bit of devil's advocate and come from reese because he's not here definitely no i'll do even more than that because i'll be on curtis blades um, I've come around to this just with, uh, I, I watched an interview actually of Tom Aspinall's from month, two months, three months ago. I think it was right before that Volkov fight. And he was talking about how Curtis is actually his favorite heavyweight to watch and how, um, Blades. he thinks that, yeah, Curtis Blades is a terrible matchup for himself. And, and he says that, oh, it's going to happen one day, but, uh, the, the way that Curtis uses his strikes to disguise these takedowns is elite and and that's i think what reese was getting at in the set the spread i think seeing a dog price in a situation where tom is saying it's the worst possible matchup for me is a little bit of a gift i think that i don't know this fight's really interesting because i could be super wrong i think whoever wins this fight is going to look like minus 500 minus 400 it's either going to be Tom Aspinall can deal with the takedowns and, and, and can really stuff him uh, or can get sweeps and, and hurt Curtis Blades on the feet um, and land a big punch or something. Or it's going to be Curtis Blades mixing up the, the, the strikes with the takedowns, getting two, three minutes of top pressure, four, five straight rounds, cruising to an easy decision where he might have even looked minus 800. But um, yeah, I think that at the dog price, I'm on the the Curtis Blade side. Give me the Trevor Whitman fighter. Um, a guy we know who has cardio for days. Aspinall is phenomenal, and I do mean phenomenal as he's looked. I mean, the jujitsu, ridiculous. The striking's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I'm going back all the way to, yeah, his entire career. He's never been in a round three. What happens if he gets rode for 10 minutes, and all of a sudden he's tired, and he's like, oh, shit, I didn't know fights lasted this long. I thought I just killed everyone. Um, that being said, it's not going to be easy to just get a 6'5", 78-inch reach, 
huge athlete in Tom Aspinall onto his butt every round. So Tom can keep on his feet. He's going to look really dominant. Like he should be a, a huge favorite. I think that the, the right play is the Curtis Blade side. We've seen it at a higher level. Um, and we've seen him really only falter when someone finds the button. It really feels like that. It's, it's Nganu, it's Derek Lewis, it's France, it's Francis again. It's uh, guys that have that kind of kiss of death, one touch, kill you power, more so than the Tom Aspinall, uh, really precise boxing and great combos. But, I mean, when, when we talk about Tom Aspinall's boxing, this is a guy who spars with Tyson Fury. It's like there's levels, and he's probably at the top of it. And and who knows? We, we could see an early uh, early night-night for Curtis Blades for, for sure, but I, I'm on the Curtis Blades side. So this is this is kind of generalized here, but I'm sending some trends where prelims, you like a lot of favorites, think a lot of the prices are appropriately priced. Main card, you like a lot of dogs other than Vulcan. I mean, it's maybe you, I, I kind of doubt you'll end up paying for Hannah Goldie, but you think that that's probably the right side of the number. Gustafson, Jordan Levitt, and Blades. Yeah, yeah. I think the blades will see my card, uh, especially as we see money come in on Aspinall. It's getting 140 over at Caesars. Uh, if, that, if that gets like 150 and we're getting like a plus 135, plus 130 cut comeback, that'll be too good to pass up. Fair enough. Uh, again, this one's an early card here in the States, 2 p.m. Central main card. We will look to have some things finalized on Twitter pre-card. Pre I know July has just been a tough month for us traveling, and we're, we're not quite done traveling either. Um, so we will look to have some sort of content out to you. Obviously, this will be posted because you're listening to it at the moment. Um, anything else to add, Dan, before we close up? Oh, just su super excited for this week. Uh, another fight card with, what, um, eggs, coffee, bagels. What do you eat for breakfast, Kobe? You're an oatmeal guy, probably, right? I am an oatmeal guy. There's some strawberries yeah. in there. Yeah, I read it on your face. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't get to do this a lot. I'm going to close this up with Poha. And one, two, three, Poha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.